This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. You know, sometimes I don't think we realize the full significance or even importance of certain moments in our lives until later when they can become landmarks in our personal spiritual journey. In fact, they can encourage us on where we are and where we're going as we look from where we've come from. They remind us God is always faithful, so we don't have to let the circumstances in our lives limit us or discourage us from the destination we want to go to. In fact, they can remind us that God has been faithful and been with us all along the journey. In the 1980s, I had a vision of flickers of light all over the city of Houston, like little flickers of flames, which I believed represented individual people praying, interceding, churches, and they were all calling out to God for revival. And then I saw the effects of a great wind representing, I believe, the Holy Spirit fanning all these individual flickers into a huge fire and blowing embers all over the world. And later I began to look back and I realized that the same flickers of flames are all over the nation. And I began to see then all over in other parts of the world, there were individuals and small groups and churches crying out for God, for God's presence. And when I began to see this wind, an unseen wind, blow across my city and then blow into other places, I believe that is the wind of the Holy Spirit igniting a fire from individual flickers of flames and the embers would go to the nations of the world. And I realized what I was sensing for me to pray for my city, and of course you praying for yours, that God would use your redemptive purposes in your personal life, in the churches in your community, people praying in your community for God to do something so powerful that it would touch the nations of the world. And then in the early 1990s, uh, I began to hear people like Leonard Ravenhill and others began to say things to us about the significance of what God wanted to do in our generation but also even in Houston. I remember visiting with Brother Leonard Ravenhill in his home, and and this was in the early 1990s, and he began to pray with me, began to pray that God would do something so significant in Houston that it would literally raise up an army of young people that would touch nations of the world. And I've been holding on to that promise for all these decades, as well as seeing God do that in smaller ways, not just in my city, but across the nation and other nations of the world where God is raising up a generation of young people. In fact, I, I, I really hold on to Psalms chapter 110, verse 2 and 3, when it says that God would raise up an army of volunteers, and it's, the inference here is from the womb all the way to the youth, an army of volunteers would rise up for the day of God's power. I've been holding on to that promise and seeing that in a small way when we see gatherings all over the country and around the world of young people rising up when the world says that they're that they are a no direction generation the world puts labels on them the millennials are this or the the gen xers are that or the the generation y and z is this those are labels the world puts on people but God has a redemptive purpose to raise up a prophetic generation of young people joined together with the wisdom of the older generation, which will then prepare the way, I believe, for an outpouring of God's presence. And, you know, some re- reflect to the past ge- uh, generations of revivals, past uh, things like the Jesus movement. 
I believe in God for a modern-day contemporary move of God that is multi-generational, that God will put His redemptive purposes upon that generation, and we won't be like the world, we won't be like former generations, but God will do something significant in our generation, and we will see a, a generation of young people rise up for a time such as this. So I've been holding on to the promises of these prayers by friends and, or, and people that have been an influence in my life, like Leonard Ravenhill or even David Wilkerson or the late Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole and so many others. I'm holding to those promises because I was that younger generation, and I saw God do some significant things in my life and the lives of many people and peers that I had in our younger generation. But we fast forward to this generation in 2019, and I believe God is going to do something so significant so unique that God's calling out a generation of forerunners, not just one forerunner like John the Baptist, but a generation of forerunners who will come out of the wilderness and they will have God's prophetic hand upon them, preparing the way for an outpouring of His presence and ultimately preparing for the coming of the Lord. In fact, in 1996, when God put it on our hearts to host 40 days of fasting and prayer, and we had over 300 churches initially join up together in Houston, Texas uh, at a uh, amphitheater, and every day for 40 days we gathered together. We crossed racial, denominational, generational lines to worship together, to pray together, to be fasted together for 40 days in the last 40 days of 1996. And during those 40 days, many of us kept sharing that Houston would be a birthing city, and a city like a John the Baptist forerunners is preparing the way for the coming of the Lord, as we see in Psalms 110, verse 2 and 3. It says, The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, speaking to God's power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning you have the dew of your youth. And so I've always prayed, God, raise up from the womb into the youth a generation that would join up as an army of volunteers for the day of God's power. And even in all the conflicts and the challenges, even in the midst of our enemies, God would raise up a generation. And I've been praying that for, for all these years. Then in 2000, uh, I was attending an all-nations convocation in Jerusalem, Israel, and we were assigned different gates of the old city to pray for, and that each nation that was represented, we had, I think it was over 200-plus uh, nations that were represented, and, uh, and, and we were there for 1,500 people from 200-plus nations, and we were assigned different gates of the old city and, and surrounding communities to join up in intercession to pray. And so the United States was called to pray for a particular uh, a gate, but I really felt a strong inclination. I felt led to go to a place called Ein Karim, the Ein Karim Gate. And it was noted for being the birthplace of John the Baptist, the forerunner who prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. Because I personally believed and prayed all those decades that Houston would be a forerunner city, a place of birthing and sending forth revival to the nations, a place where thousands of young people would come and go and they would touch nations of the world from this place known as the energy capital of North America, the place that, that was the gateway to the world, the place that had two uh, major airline hubs, international airline hubs, and the very place that many years later, unbeknownst to us, would be the contrary to that of being a birthing city. It was the place where the largest abortion clinic in the Western Hemisphere was established right in Houston. So does that mean God's redemptive purposes are, are not intact? No. 
God's redemptive plan is still there, even though the enemy will try to come and bring a contradiction or try to come back with a retaliation. So I still am calling my city as a place where, not a place of death, but a place of birthing and a place where young people from the womb into the youth will rise up, join with the older generation to be a multi-generational prophetic generation, preparing the way for the coming of the Lord and touching nations of the world. In fact, unbeknownst to us back in 2000 as well, is that one day Houston would become the most diverse city in America. In fact, have the most diverse university in America. We have more languages spoken in our city. So begin to process, even as you do spiritual mapping or diagnostic research in your own city or community, what is the redemptive purposes of God? What is the things that God wants to do through you and the church where his wind of of the Holy Spirit will come blow across each of us and we become one huge flame and that the embers of our flames would touch far beyond our own communities? When God does something in your city or God does something in my city, it can literally impact the nations of the world. There is a battle, though, in the heavenlies that we often uh, see evidence in the natural. So God's intention is for a spiritual move of God that will sweep a nation and touch a generation and impacting nations with the salvation and the deliverance and the healing of God. And so I look back even two years ago, when I look at 2017, in the month of August in our Gregorian calendar, I was coming back from Japan. It was also the the beginning on the day of the month of the 6th month of the Jewish calendar called the month of Elul in the Jewish calendar was also the the day that we had this incredible 99-year solar eclipse, a full solar eclipse as I was flying from Japan back to Houston. It was taking place in North America. So I do believe that God speaks in the signs of the times, and he's even speaking in the signs of the skies. Not that we look to those things, but we look to the God's Word. But there are things that God does even in the stars and the skies, in our generation, in the culture, in, our, in the natural things that happen around us that are significant to us, that we don't want to miss those moments of significance and landmarks for what God's trying to do. So as we were landing, even on the on the beginning of the first day of the sixth month of the Jewish calendar, which was August 21st in El, the month of Elul, uh, it's it's significant here because the month of Elul is a time for the fall house cleaning. In fact, the whole month is a call to return to God, and, and it's a place where God is calling all of His people to return with all their hearts to Him. In fact, I want to read to you out of a commentary here about the month of Elul. It says that uh, God releases the atmosphere of intimacy and spiritual desire to connect to him into the earth, as like it says in Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 and 15, or Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. In the month of Elul, God is preparing a people and is calling out for a separation of his people unto himself that are truly hungry for his presence. There's something about the presence of God. I remember years ago, as I was involved in the transformation videos with the Sentinel Group and identifying what God was doing in different parts of the world, and we saw that God was doing something in this journey to transformation, and there were commonalities. But one of the biggest commonalities in all these communities around the world being impacted was a desire for the authenticity of the presence of God. So in the month of Elul, the sixth month of the Jewish calendar, which was is even in 2019, start, started on the sundown of August 31st, 
and it goes on for a month until the until September 29th of 2019, which will be uh, uh, also the beginning of Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year. But in the month of Elul, the scripture says that Jesus, our Lord, was led by the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter 4. And notice here, he was led. In other words, he did not lead himself, but he was led. There was something in him that was being drawn, an inner desire for intimacy. And it could not be fulfilled by anything else but God's presence. And so he is led into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. Now, as I was reading this commentary, it says, why 40 days? Because it's 40 days from the first day of the month of Elul to the 10th of the seventh month called Tishri. It's, it's took 40 years from the time God brought out Israel from Egypt to the time they were spiritually ready to possess their spiritual inheritance in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3. So um, from the first day of the month of Elul, which happens to be this month is August 31st at sundown through September 29th, but then it goes on for that month, it goes to the seventh month called Tishri, but it's the tenth day of the seventh month, which is Yom Kippur. And so there's something about this 40 days in preparation for Yom Kippur, which is the place where we are restored in Scripture, the Ten Commandments. For example, when Moses brought down the Ten Commandments, it was in the the Yom Kippur, and it was also 40 days after the beginning of the month of Elul. In fact, Matthew chapter 4 says that Jesus, our Lord, he fasted and sought God for 40 days in the sixth month of Elul, according to the Hebrew calendar. After 40 days... Jesus comes from the mountain full of the Holy Spirit, casting out demons, raising the dead, provoking religious leaders to jealousy, declaring and commanding the people to repent from their wicked ways because the kingdom of God had come. Luke chapter 4, 1 through 37. In fact, it was in Exodus chapter 34, it was when Moses had been seeking God for 40 days in the wilderness, and it was in that month of Elul that this was taking place. And at the end of the 40 days, Moses comes back down from the mountain. His face was shining with the presence of God, and he had the Ten Commandments in his hands. This was also, again, the month of Elul that prepares us for that great day of Yom Kippur, the day when God makes decisions and also becomes the judge of all living beings on the earth. So as we seek God in prayer and intercession, studying His Word, also fasting through the 40 days of the month of Elul all the way through Yom Kippur, there should be an increased expectation in us to to be in the presence of God, the God our Father of all mercies and comfort, the God our Father full of mercy and grace, and yet the God that is a righteous judge, and God the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so it's on the day of Yom Kippur when He gives us a new beginning for a new year. So we seek God for 40 days from the beginning of the sundown of August 31st, 2019. But also, like I said, it was a fall house cleaning. Month of Elul means to take personal reflection. In fact, in Jewish tradition, in some homes, they would actually go out and do a fall house. They clean their homes symbolically of the month of Elul as a preparation of the cleansing of the heart and the holy days that were to come. So likewise, I think we can learn from that 
that we as Christians should also take reflection at this season in preparation for these holy days that are coming, not just in the Jewish tradition, but even in the Christian faith. Instead of just celebrating what we call Christmas, it should be a time of us celebrating and preparing our hearts for the holy presence of God, seeking and hungering and thirsting for the presence of God. There's something about the presence of God. Like I said, in all these cities and communities around the world that we've been tracking the journey to transformation over the last couple of decades, we found the commonality of people that were authentically seeking and thirsty for the presence of God. There's something when we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these other things we want, they're added unto us. We don't seek the things, we seek God. We desire His presence, for it's in His presence that darkness is dispelled. It's in His presence that salvation, healing, liberation, deliverance can come. In His presence, we get we get a, a sense of purpose in our lives far beyond our own capacity, or our own abilities. So we seek the Lord even at this time. I would say that we we should take a fall reflection, a renewed reflection of our own hearts, and let God do a house cleaning, cleaning up the, the rooms of our heart, the, the recesses of our soul, and cleaning out the, the thoughts and the junk and the stuff that our mind is constantly polluted with, with the bombardment of the world around us. And so the month of Elul is a great reminder, significant reminder to us in the Jewish calendar that, that we also prepare ourselves for God to move. In fact, I love this because it says, talks about in, in the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon, and also in Hosea, that the inference is for us also to get our hearts ready for the one who is coming for us. That even in the, in the Song of Solomon, it says the Shulamite woman was the one who, who said, my, I sleep and my heart is awake. Why? Because she senses the coming of the bridegroom. I think that for all of us, with all that's going on around the world today, may our hearts be awakened, even in our sleep, may our soul be awakened in preparation for our bridegroom is preparing and coming and is about to receive us unto himself. And I also, as we see in Hosea, he's, he's speaking loudly to us in Hosea that even when we have departed from him, God is looking for redemption to bring us close back to him and to begin to look at the importance of preparation for the coming of the Lord, because God is looking for people to return to Him through a place of repentance and reflection, a place of humility, and a place of walking and preparing ourselves as the as the bride of Christ for the bridegroom of God who's coming for us. Yes, I said, like I said earlier, there is a battle in the heavenlies that we often see evidence in the natural. But so there is a battle for the very soul of a generation, the soul of our lives to get us distracted from our intended destination with God. But God wants to accomplish His Word in us. Uh, you know, we've seen uh, in our own ministry, we've been involved in a lot of relief work for many, many disasters. In fact, even as I've been reflecting two years after Hurricane Harvey and Maria and, and Michael and Florence and other disasters, we've been very involved in and helping to bring some element of healing and hope in those uh, communities around in Florida and, and throughout the country and, of course, in the fires in California and and, uh, and even currently now, the fires in Bolivia and Brazil, and, and now the tropical storm now turning hurricane coming in through the Caribbean. These things these have been accelerating over the years, and we're still reeling from those, and we're still trying to help out the best we can. But in the, the midst of these natural crises, these are opportunities for the church to rise 
in, in a place of being a reflection of Christ in the midst of difficulties. It says in Luke chapter 21, all these things will happen, wars and rumors of wars. It even talks about ethnos against ethnos, race against race. We see political posturing and division. We see national difficulties. We see ethnic difficulties. That should not be so in the church because in the church we put aside our weapons of warfare for harvesting tools together. But the world will continue to be divided. The only hope is for us as the church to be those flickers of flames and let the breath of God blow upon us to be a fire of of God's presence around the world, and that we should reflect Christ united, that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, I'm I'm American of Asian descent. I was born in Japan. My mother was Japanese. Uh, I was was raised in, in America, yes, but I went back to high school in Japan, and so I was kind of stuck between two cultures in many ways, even in my own home. And yet I realized my first preference is not my ethnic background, is not where I was born. It's not, those are important. And yes, I, I love my, my heritage, but at the same time, my first and foremost commitment is to the body of Christ. Jesus said that my family or my mother, father, brother, sister are not those necessarily free. Yes, of course, he had a relationship with his mom and his family and his brothers and sisters uh, and those around him from his community. But he says, my, my, my family truly are those who do the will of the Father. So for me, the same, I take Christ as my example that I first and foremost am part of something bigger than myself. It's, I'm a part of the kingdom of God. I'm not of this world, but I live in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm of a greater kingdom that by the grace of God, the great and amazing and abounding grace of God, I get to be part of a family that happens to be a coat of many colors, black, white, brown, red, and yellow. But together with all of our diversity, we are now in unity because we're part of something bigger than ourselves. So when we come together, put aside our weapons against each other, we can bring healing and hope to a generation. So we see these natural crises, we see human crises, we see division, we see all these things happening. But it's the midst of this, Jesus says in verse 13 of Luke chapter 21, in the midst of all that, he says, but let it be an occasion for your testimony. Because you and I, who are believers in Christ, have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, we then can be a testament and a testimony in bad news places. There's so much bad news around us. We need to be a reflection of the good news of the gospel of Christ. The gospel means good news. How do we bring good news? First, we we humble ourselves in the holy presence of God. We hunger and thirst for His presence, and out of that presence we come out undivided, and we're able to bring His presence into a world that desperately needs the healing and hope and the gospel of good news. In the midst of all the devastations that we see, in the middle of all the things happening in our nation and the political tensions and other tensions, God has a redemptive plan. And as others began to look at Houston, even in 2017 during Hurricane Harvey, because I'm sharing that because that's where I lived, I lived through all that and involved in disaster relief from Rockport all the way to East Texas. And God was doing a work in us in the midst of difficult moments. The church arose with with God's strength and this grace upon his church. And for a moment, we were able to change the narrative. People didn't see uh, uh, didn't see uh, division or political divisions or racial division. We saw red, yellow, black, and white working together, regardless of their political party or religion, or their personal denominational preferences or styles of worship. It was the church, the real church in America that was reflected of how we should be in the midst of our divisions. You see, we can have civility in our public discourse 
even if we strongly disagree on certain views. So in the midst of all the adversity, God did something beautiful to get the church to be the church. We're becoming a church reconciled and a church united to bring healing to a nation divided and impacting the nations of the world. So I believe God is saying that to all of us today, that as we've just entered the month of Elul, we're taking reflection of the last few years, the acceleration of difficulties. Let us not focus on the difficulties. Yes, we're cognizant of the challenges, but let us be a people who take personal reflection review of our own lives. Let this fall house cleaning be a time for us to prepare for the holiness of God, the the place of a new season with God, and a place of getting the church restored in a in a healthy way with the Lord, meaning the church, you and I together are the corporate church, and the wind of God blows upon us to be the corporate church to bring healing and hope in a nation divided, in a generation impacted, so we can see the gospel reach the nations of the world. I can go on and on about this because I'm so excited about this, but let me just conclude in a moment with this and and reminding us of this. Revival was defined by the late Duncan Campbell during the Hebrides revivals, and he said, Revival is neither more nor less than the impact of the personality of Jesus Christ upon a church or a community. In other words, the whole area becomes God conscious. We need to be a people who see the impact of Christ in our communities by being used by God to reflect Christ together so the community sees there's a God consciousness first in the church, a church united in a place of a nation divided, that they can see the church truly has brought a God consciousness because Jesus is the Lord of our hearts. He is the one who's changing our minds, and we're the ones walking in that place of simple obedience, humility, and honor with the Lord. What has God been doing? He's been bringing, I believe, a revival. It's not how we expected it to come, but revival is here. Revival is coming one way or another. The nations are seeing the church in revival in the midst of difficult circumstances because the church shines most brightly in difficult times, because the church is the personality of Christ in a community if we reflect Christ in our heart, So together, we, the church, can lift up the name of Jesus, because Jesus said, if he be high and lifted up, he would draw all men unto himself. In fact, Jesus said, again, as I said in Luke chapter 21, nation, in verse 10, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. We see that happening. Now we know the great and terrible day will come, but I'm talking about even as a precursor to that, God is giving us an opportunity as we see these kinds of things happening in the world today in acceleration of it, that he's talking to us in verse 13 when he says that that it will turn out for you as an occasion for your testimony. Let's not let circumstances dictate to us who we are, but let us bring God's presence in circumstances. We can't change the things that happened, and everybody's story is a little bit different. But we sure can take a posture before God to be the witness God wants us to be and to share the testimony of God or have the occasion for the testimony of God and the church to our communities. See, every great revival and awakening usually came in a time of great difficulty. The 1857 revival occurred just before the Civil War. 10% of the population of America at the time got radically saved. But what would happen if 10% of the 300-plus million people in America today, some say 323 million, some say 360 million, over 300 million people. What would happen if 10% 
of over 300 million people in America today had a revelation of the work of the cross. Wow, what would happen? Back in 1857, there was only 30, uh, 32, 33 million people in America. We have 10 times more than that than now. And they had about 10% of the 32 million, 33 million came to Christ during that revival just before the Civil War. What would happen now as a precursor to the spiritual civil wars that are going on, the, the global conflicts and the divisions in our own nation, if in, in a suddenly moment that the church awoke and our heart awakened and we saw revival in the land, we, if we saw 10% of 300 plus million, if we all saw at least 30 million people get a renewed revelation of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, wow, we would see a transformation that brought a reformation not by legislation, but by the changing of hearts that changed legislation. Many people, I believe, are on the very crest of, an, of, of another difficult challenge, in, not just in this country, but in other countries of the world. But as we continue to stand up for the things that are right, and we stand up for the things that God is speaking, then we will be able to let his light shine in us in such a way that it can turn the course of circumstances and create an atmosphere for his presence. I really believe, as we are part of an unshakable kingdom, that God wants to do something so significant, so uh, powerful, so influential in the church together, a church united, that we could see a prophetic generation emerge. And out of the deserts of life, out of the wilderness journeys that people are in, we would see the prophetic cloak of God's hand upon that generation, a corporate generation of forerunners preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And again and again, I remind us of the scripture of Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven, Matthew 5, 16. God wants relationship. He wants people who will be in his presence and anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. People who will go forth and be what he has called us to be, to be very real and tangible to the communities around us. We have a window of opportunity, I believe, right now to win back the soul of a nation and empower a generation. We, the church, must maintain a posture of humility by staying low in his presence and drawing near to hear what God is saying to us so we can obey quickly when God speaks. And when we do this, I believe, people will see something different about us. Now is not the time to shrink back as in the perdition of Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 12, but I believe it's a time to press forward. The narrative is changing the church reconciled is becoming the real church, and people are beginning to see a tangible expression of Christ in and through the church. The personality of Christ is impacting the community through the body of Christ. It's our moment, church. It's our revival time. It's now. It's time. It's time. So as this time comes uh, in the season ahead, let us take personal reflection. Let us truly take that fall house cleaning as we get rid of all the other junk and the things that weighed us down, the, even the sins that have so easily beset us, let us now take those anchors away and, uh, off of us and those weights so we can come back to the freedom that God has given us. As Paul says in Galatians 5, chapter 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has set you free, and be no longer entangled the yokes of bondage. It's time for us to walk in our freedom that God's intended. Time for us not to be bound by the, the flesh of men, not bound by the things around us, but let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Or as it says in Isaiah, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. It is time, church. It's our moment. It's revival time. Let's take personal reflection as we move towards the season ahead 
and to see the outpouring of God's presence. And may all of our flickers of flames be touched at one time by the wind of God, the breath of God, and we see a fire of God's presence that will release a forerunner generation to prepare the way for revival and the coming of the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.